Everybody, welcome to the High Five Countdown Podcast. My name is DJ Setho, and how ironic, there's just as many High Five Countdown Podcast episodes as there were Save Your Roadblocks when Rick was trying to get Maggie to the Hilltop community. That's right, a Walking Dead reference, which only means one thing. The High Five Countdown podcast is going to be Walking Dead-centric for this episode. Now before I reveal the specific episode topic, I'd like to first introduce my two co-hosts. My first co-host does not play three instruments at once because... Maddie G doesn't watch The Walking Dead, so we needed to get a pinch hitter in for this episode. Here is Tugboat. Hey, what's happening? I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I don't think you realize this, Tugboat, but right now, the awkwardness is, is really developing that I'm actually calling a grown man Tugboat. <laughs> Yeah, I choose to be anonymous, but DJ Anonymous is already taken, so Tugboat was an old nickname, so I figured I'd bring it back. Now, I know you are a big TV watcher. You really like the shows that you get into, and and you have a great take on a lot of different shows. Uh, What type of shows are you into right now? Uh, right now, I absolutely love the OJ show for the last 10 weeks. Um, I'm up to date on all those episodes, uh, currently waiting for Game of Thrones to come back. And uh, I need, I'm still a couple episodes behind on Better Call Saul. That's, that's where I'm at with TV. My second co-host has not completely caught up with this season. So Tony B will be joining us a little bit later in the podcast when we start the actual countdown portion of it. Right now it is myself and Tugboat. Now before we get into this, I just want to make sure that I don't get hate mail, that rumors don't go flying around. Matty G is 100% still with the High Five Countdown podcast. He loves us, we love him, but when we were talking on the phone planning this episode, Matty G actually said he doesn't watch The Walking Dead and outside of a bunch of Limp Biscuit references, he doesn't know what he'd be able to contribute to this podcast. And as much as I love Limp Biscuit references, I just decided to bring in Tugboat to pinch hit for Matty G since he follows The Walking Dead and I think will provide some interesting takes on the episode and on this top five countdown. So, our high five countdown podcast episode is the top five problems with The Walking Dead. If you're an avid Walking Dead fan and you love the show, everything that they do is as good as gold, maybe this podcast is not for you, but we welcome everyone to listen. I think there's going to be some interesting takes. If you haven't guessed from the title, we might not be very positive on The Walking Dead this episode. Just saying. So before we get into the actual countdown, the best way to do things is to talk about the season six finale of The Walking Dead, because honestly, I think it displays a lot of the problems that myself, Tugboat, and Tony B might bring up. Tugboat. 
Could you tell me a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about your Walking Dead viewing history? When you got started into it, uh, a good, good friend, friend of mine, mine actually, Seth, a good friend of ours, a buddy from college, Neil, yes, he gets to mention on a podcast, uh, told me that I should start watching it and that it'd be something that I'd enjoy. So, of course, you know, tune in. And the first season was slow moving, but I wanted to see more about the characters. So I was intrigued. And as they kept going on the second season with the farm, I think I binge watched that as well. And then by the third season, I was all caught up and I was watching week to week. And I've pretty much been a weekly follower since then. With season six, I made sure to watch the whole season. And now I guess we're sort of here. My Walking Dead history is pretty similar. I was told by a friend to check the show out. The first season had happened, so he introduced it to me on Netflix, and it was good. I'm not typically into zombie shows, so I was like, alright, this is fine. Second season got me sold. The character development was awesome. I loved the stuff they did with Shane, and some of the conversations they had about living in the zombie apocalypse were great. I've been hooked ever since, but the show's been frustrating because I think it's got a lot of problems, and every time you think they're back on track, one of these problems kind of sprouts up. So Tugboat, I think the best place to start is what were your thoughts on how they wrapped up the season six finale you can breathe you can blink you can cry hell you're all gonna be doing that nobody not one fan that i've talked to or heard an opinion on has thought that the ending that they did was worth it Finally, Negan arrives at the end of the episode, just what everybody's been waiting for. And then, the only thing that anybody wanted to know was who was actually going to get it. And to do the cheap cliffhanger that you compared to the Lost Hatch? Give me a break. This wasn't the Lost Hatch. Everybody, it's only going to be one of seven people that dies. We just wanted to know who it was. And how powerful would that have been to know that one character wasn't going to be there next year? If they hadn't done the cliffhanger at the very end of the finale, is this a forgivable offense? I think at least there's a payoff, because really, what else in the episode was overly exciting? Like, wow, this is what I watched for. It's that buzzer-beater shot, you know, or the walk-off home run. Like, wow, that's what it lacked, and it was very frustrating. Did you find it frustrating? I found it frustrating for three big reasons. Reason number one, it just destroyed any momentum that moment had. Uh, I know that moment is huge in the Walking Dead comics. By literally having that moment transpire and then causing a break in between Negan swinging the club and us finding out who dies just takes away all the momentum, all the shock value. It just weakens the entire moment. Number two, the Walking Dead doesn't need a cliffhanger. They are one of the highest rated shows they're the highest rated cable show do they even know who they're going to kill off yet it's almost like if you have a bad contract negotiation maybe you're going to get written out of the show and it's cheesy if you just had some gusto you'd kill the character you'd move on and you'd show people this is a different world and which brings me to number three which is right in line what you said is that the walking dead had a point to conclude a natural point to conclude and it was like they were afraid to conclude it there I don't know what they were afraid of. You can be an auteur and have a point to make, but you're making a movie or you're making a television show for an audience. And when you're doing that, there's a give and take. We suspended disbelief. Okay, this is going somewhere. Okay, it's going somewhere. Something big is going to happen. And then only to see it 
cheapened at the end where the cast themselves don't even know who's going to get it. How much more effective would it have been if they just would have told you this is who dies? I think it would have been perfectly fine. You know, and I'm familiar with the comic books. I knew this scene was coming. I knew that this was going to be the scene to conclude it. So I was ready. I, I knew this was happening. I figured the final thing we would see is some character get their head cracked in. Well, I knew who dies in the comic books. So the question to me becomes, are they going to stay true to that? Or are they going to do something different? And I expected to have that answer and to be left all Walking Dead off-season hating Negan for taking away one of our beloved characters. And that would have been so much more powerful than to be left waiting. And you know what the worst part about it is, Tugboat? Is that, number one, Scott Kimple was too scared to put one of his character in a body bag! Get him a body bag! Yeah! <laughs> Get him a body bag, Johnny! <laughs> And number two is we're probably going to find out who dies anyway because either Entertainment Weekly or some other media post is going to say, oh, Stephen Yoon is on a new show. Or Norman Reedus has signed on for this movie, which, which just so happens to tape during The Walking Dead taping. So we're going <laughs> to find out. If they would have done this as a half-season finale and you had to wait from basically like December to February, maybe maybe I could have understood a little bit. No, I disagree. I would not stomach this in a mid-season finale. Okay, that's I, fair. Do the writers even know who's dying? Do they have that plotted out? Or was this just to buy them time so they can truly crunch the numbers and see how this world's going to be different without Abraham or Glenn or Daryl? And, and you're probably right about that. I think I'm, I'm grasping for straws a little bit because I just don't know how they thought it was going to be a good idea or how they thought it was going to be well received. He did compare, I believe also, to the Hatch from Lost, which you're unleashing the unknown with the Hatch from Lost. With this, it's one of seven people that's dying. It's not that much of a stretch to say, okay, this person is going to be there versus this person isn't going to be there. It's totally different. Bad comparison, Scott Gimple. Bad, Scott. But Tugbo, we need to get back to the island. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. <laughs> we gotta go back. We have to go back. <laughs> I hope there's a lot of Lost references, because I know I'm going to reference Lost uh, later in this episode. Spoiler alert! <coughs> the big question now, who do you think it is? Honestly, gun to the head, give me one character you think is not going to be there with us next season. I think it's got to be Glenn, which makes this even more maddening, because to have his whole story arc... From the first half of season six, where the dumpster fire that that almost death was, to then possibly get to here, if it is Glenn, so you're going to fake kill him off, to real kill him off, that would make sense. Quite honestly, I almost don't even care who dies at this point. Like, I want to... I wanted, I wanted to know, and then six months from now, what am I going to do with six months from now? I agree. For me, I'm going to answer this question based on two viewpoints I have. Number one, the character that died had to be prominent in this past episode, if that is where they're leaving off in episode one of season seven, in which case it's Abraham. Money on it, hands down. But what if the first episode of season seven does not start out where we left off? What if season seven, episode one, starts off... With 
with us seeing everything from the viewpoint of the characters that Negan captured. To see it from the viewpoint of Daryl, of Glenn, of Rosita, of Michonne. And we get a true character development episode with those characters. In which case, if we go down that route, then I also agree. I think Glenn's done. And, and once again, Seth, if they open up season seven with that, I think that people would also be just, you know, enraged. To talk about the actual episode, because I know we've been talking about the end, part of me really wonders, right? So Rick and his gang are being met by roadblock by roadblock. Are there, like, two roads in Alexandria or close by? You mean to tell me Rick couldn't hightail it out of there with his gang? I know that this is all leading up to Negan. It was so contrived that that was the way they did it. Well, I think it would have been helpful if they flashed up a map before this journey took place, Oregon Trail style, so we could see where we're going. Or perhaps they might have turned around and found a giant van, a VW van, that was driven by Hugo. He's going to live alone and be one of those guys. You know, the crazy guys with a big beard and no clothes who's naked and throws duty at people. And maybe that's how they escape. <laughs> Could Sawyer run shotgun? Great plan, Moonbeam. After that, we can sing Kumbaya and do trust falls. Totally. Yeah! <laughs> who's more... Of, like, a tough guy. Sawyer or Daryl? That is good. I would say Daryl. We ain't losing nobody else. I'm going for a run. Come on, we're going to lose a life! Okay. If you're asking me for better character, I'm saying Sawyer every day, all day. Oh, of course. Well, I also think, see, Sawyer, Daryl kills you with the crossbow. Sawyer will kill you with the bare hands, and Sawyer can also play nice. Daryl can't really play nice. Daryl's got one speed. Sawyer can be cunning. Doctor playing golf. Woo, boy, howdy. I've heard everything. What's next? Cop eating a donut. Not to crucify the episode. I think there were some good things in the episode. I think one of the ways the episode could have been better is let's cut down on the roadblocks. Instead of five roadblocks wasting 40 minutes on it, let's have three roadblocks and only waste 20 minutes. Because some of the other stuff on the episode was pretty cool. I loved the Carol and Morgan stuff. That took us back to Walking Dead Season 2 because they were actually talking about how they should adapt their lives in this apocalypse. And to me, that was the best part of the episode. Because it was real and believable. I, I totally hear that. And number two, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Negan. He's got some charisma. They casted right. And if there's a good thing I will say about The Walking Dead, they do a great job in casting. Isn't this part of the problem that, like, the show has elements where you're like, it does that right, and it does that right, but it can't put everything together. Very true. And, and who knows, maybe that will come up in somebody's top five? Spoiler alert? <laughs> Perhaps. What is the state of The Walking Dead going into Season 7? And where are you at with the show going into Season 7? The state of The Walking Dead right now is limping. Because you fired the one bullet that you could, which was Negan. Which, just like Lost, did the flash forward or flash backward. Right? That was like the one bullet in a chamber where you have to go back. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Because at that point, you knew that they left the island. Once they did that, there's no going back. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! Once Negan comes, what else is there? As far as where that leaves me, I might shock you, Seth. And I might shock the listeners. I hope not. But I, I really think I'm done. I have not cut bait on many TV shows. I like to complete things. But I will say that with this show, I'm done watching. It would take... Everybody that's a Walking Dead fan saying, well, 
maybe you should give this season a shot for me to come back. It's a tough sell for me to keep watching this show when I'm just, I leave a lot more disappointed. I leave disappointed more often than not. You know, who knows, you know, six months from now, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see you die. Maybe I'll turn it on for one episode, two episodes. Oh, I guess I have to watch the next half-season finale. What about you? How excited are you for season seven? Wow, hold on. I, I just need to pause. You just voted The Walking Dead off the island. Yeah, it's on. It's- Whether that's the Survivor Island or the Lost Island, I'll let you make that call. It's the Lost Island. Get, like, the Get Lost Island. Like, see you later. Corny jokes all night. Only a nickel each time. <laughs> to answer your question, I will be tuning in out of curiosity. Jeffrey Dean Morgan sold me. I mean, the way he played Negan with that charisma, I want to see what this badass character can do. But it could quickly go south for me. So it is still in my TV rotation, but it is on a fringe point to where I could drop it at any point. I wonder how many other people feel this way too, or if we're just like on our own island. You, me, Sawyer, and John Locke partying up on our own island. Great plan, Moonbeam. After that, we can sing Kumbaya and do trust falls. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Except the whole possibly dying part. Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, let's go. Here we go. I think the best thing to do is to bring in a third Walking Dead fan and see if they agree with us. So, my next co-host has decided to put himself in spoiler jeopardy in order to do this Walking Dead High Five Countdown podcast. We have Tony B. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, and please spoil away. I'm dying to know what happens to these people. My gosh, we're going to be setting off the alarm a lot, I think. Spoiler minefield. Since he's new to the podcast, Tony B, do you think we should let Tugboat go first? Tugboat, I like that name. Tony, you can call him Tugboat. I feel awkward calling a grown man Tugboat. Where did the Tugboat come from? Uh, it back to our, our old college days. The lacrosse team all of a sudden just started calling me Tugboat, and they started doing the horn. <laughs> And, and it just, people didn't even know my name. All right, Tugboat, why don't you kick us off with the list? So I'm only allowed to have five, not like 15 or 20, because I really could have gone that long. I mean, look, we, we've, we've had a couple of alternates here and there. 15 alternates, I mean, that's, that sounds like the, uh, sounds like the Pro Bowl a little bit. <laughs> Can we get the backup long snapper from the Oakland Raiders? Despite all that, I was able to get it down to five. So, top five problems with The Walking Dead. Five. Number five for me is the comic book. The comic book is a problem because there's people that read the comic book and don't watch the show, people that watch the show and don't read the comic book, and then you have that middle group which reads the comic book and watches the show, and I think that they want to feel, at least the showrunners do, like they have to be loyal to both. They have to be loyal to the comic book, 
They have to be loyal to the TV show. When really, as a showrunner, you have to be loyal to the TV show. This is not the first book to go to a movie or a TV show that has had issues or had problems, okay? Game of Thrones had a big problem because the author was too busy buying more hats that he wears around all the time that... He hasn't written his next book yet, so they had to make the season without him. And you know what? I'm sure it's going to be great because they're consulting with them, but it's not going to be based on the book. Because I feel like having that background source material, people are always going to kind of maybe know where the story's going and then get upset if it doesn't go where they want. I'm going to directly respond because I'm familiar with both materials. I think The Walking Dead show actually does a good job of keeping things true to the comics, but not identical. In the comic book, the scene where Woodbury and the governor and Rick and everyone from the prison collide and have their war, which we saw in the mid-season finale of season four of The Walking Dead, the governor actually does not behead Herschel in the comic book. In that scene, he beheads Tyrese. The reason the show decided to go with Herschel is because Tyrese was still very new to the series, the uh, TV series. They wanted to give his character a chance to develop, but they still wanted the audience to feel the sting of what the governor did and hate him for it. So rather than Tyrese, they had the governor behead Herschel. Wow. Wow. I mean, Seth, that's pretty good knowledge of the comic book and the TV show. And uh, I am going to throw out my... It's a semi-spoiler alert. Because I really am going to try to not give it away. There's a certain character in season six who is rumored to be dead at the hands of Negan. Actually, I don't even think I gave anything away, but there's somebody that's rumored to have died that dies in the comic book but it's annoying that it's hanging out there. You don't know what they're going to do, and it's almost annoying. And that's what I kind of meant with the comic book. I am not familiar with the comic book. I know there is a comic book, so I am familiar with it. But in terms of what's in the comic book, this is the most I've heard about it. When it comes to making a television show, the book gave you the basic premise. Everything else to be up to the people who make the show. That Herschel decision that you just laid out, they should have gone with the book in that end. They should have gone with the comic book and made it Tyrese? I would say I would rather them kept Herschel now. I disagree. I think that if you get into The Walking Dead and, and this is the show you decide to watch, you better get ready to lose characters that you like. The premise of the show is no one's safe. It, it's, it's similar to a 24-esque premise where they could kill off anyone at any time. I felt like they actually made the right decision going with Herschel because the weight of that scene is supposed to be powerful. You're supposed to hate the governor's guts for what he did. For the governor to kill off Tyrese, that bears no weight. We've had significant character development with Herschel. So when Herschel was beheaded, I think everyone felt that because people like you, Tony, loved Herschel's character. What you're saying is that point of gravity couldn't have been met with killing off any other character. It had to be Herschel. That's what it, 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 it couldn't have been anyone else. The only way to make the audience go, oh man, they killed someone I didn't think was going to happen was to kill Herschel. They could have killed Carl for all I care. Kill, kill Carl. That, that would have been perfect. Herschel's still alive. Carl's gone. The show moves on. To tell you the truth, I agree with you. I, a Carl... <laughs> A Carlless Walking Dead would be a better Walking Dead, and we'd still have Herschel. I like this idea. If Carl dies there, though, 
he can't possibly be eating out of a can on top of a roof. Well, that's what um, Tyrone's for. <laughs> you mean Tyrese? Tyrese, that's what I meant. Tyrese. Tugboat. That, that was a significant plot point, though. Carl was eating pudding on that garage. That's one of the biggest moments in the series. It is. I would miss Carl because then I would miss Rick always going, Coral! Coral! Come here, Coral! Carl! Where's Carl? Carl! When Rick says that, everybody take a drink. <laughs> Carl! 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 Where's Carl? Carl! They can have flashbacks where he, it's him and Carl and the wife. Lauren, what was it? What was it? Lauren. <laughs> Way to know your Walking Dead character. <laughs> Way to know my Walking Dead, yeah. Hold on. Does anybody else think that Lori got the easy way out of this whole show? That she's lucky that she doesn't have to watch it? <laughs> hey, Tony, you're going to both love and hate a single episode in season six based on Carl. And it's going to be it's gonna be love first, then hate once you find out the result. Is Carl still alive? I mean, because if he was dead, that would like really make my night. So that's okay. Don't 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 do me a favor. I have nothing against Carl, but he could die. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Wow, you have nothing against Carl. I have nothing against him. I'm just saying that in the grand scheme of things, he could go. Not the most expendable character. I'll give him that. Rick has fallen off. I haven't seen the latest season, so maybe he's gotten his game together. But when I last watched him. This guy—he's he, off—he's been off his rocker since the prison. He needs to be on his A game if they're going to survive this zombie world. Daryl can only do so much. You wouldn't mind if we put Coral in a body bag. Get him a body bag. Yeah. Just get a whole load of them. Pack up the whole show. Cool. Okay, so my number four for me is The Talking Dead. The Talking Dead is a problem because they almost, like, know too much. And Chris Hardwick, you know, nice guy and all, I guess. But when they do the death montage and then they purposely leave out somebody who you think might have died but didn't die. And they play games with the audience. Like, I shouldn't have to watch two shows to watch one show to know what's going on. With Scott Gimple running things, I don't care who Scott Gimple is. The only point of view that I care about that he gives me is what he gives me in front of the camera during the show. I don't want it to speak. I know what decisions you make behind the camera because I watched the show. I gotta disagree with you on this one too. Number one, you don't have to watch The Talking Dead. Number two, I kind of like when Scott Gimple talks about some of the little subtleties in the show because the one thing The Walking Dead is good at is actually attention to detail. Trust me, I have huge, huge qualms with the show. So please don't think I'm a Walking Dead apologist here. But I'm not just going to crucify the show blindly. I think it does some good things. Okay, I mean, listen, if you like The Talking Dead, you know what? I'm, ha I'm thrilled that you enjoy that show. I just think that it's a problem to me. I mean, they just announced that they're going to do one for the Game of Thrones. But the guys that do it, I guess it's the way that they do it. Uh, What's it going to be called? Them. Talking Thrones? No. It's going to be called show. After the Thrones. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. But they, listen, that's, that's neither here nor there. They could have called it Post-Game. Wow. Seth, that's like next-level punnery. Oh. Post-Game. Yeah. They're like, no, no, that's, that's, that's above people's heads. We can't do that. Let's <laughs> stick with After-Game. Or what was the name? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's After the Thrones. After the Thrones. 
Yeah. Either way, so the, just the idea of, like, a show, talking about a show afterwards, and also they play games with the characters. Ooh, a mystery character will be on, because they're going to be killed, and we can't tell you what actor's going to be here to talk about the character that was just killed off that he was done playing. I just want to watch a TV show. I get the principle behind the show. Like, the post-game, you watch the game, and then there's a post-game analysis of the sport. They're doing that with television. You watch the television show, and after the show's over, okay, well, now that that show's over, let's show you the highlights from the show. Same principle. It's just that sports and television are two different aspects. of. You don't necessarily need a show after the show. Do you need a shirt before the shirt? It's T-shirt time. T-shirt time. It's T-shirt time. Everybody knows it's T-shirt time. Oh, yes. You do. <laughs> Only if you GTL. Maddie G would be so pumped we just rocked a Jersey Shore reference. <laughs> I almost think I wouldn't mind it if it was like Chris Hardwick and a random celebrity just talking about what they thought of the show. I guess it's more when, like, they bring on the people to analyze the show that are in the show. Like, if you just had two dudes talking about it, kind of like what we're doing now, I might actually be interested in that. But it's all like the, we're going to bring on this actor and that actor and this showrunner and this producer. Like, I'm not into that. Wouldn't you bring in the athlete who just scored the touchdown? I'd much rather listen to Charles Barkley than I would, you know... (laughs) the athlete that was coming off the court. But yeah, I, I hear, I mean, you do want the athlete's perspective, sure, but I'd rather much hear the commentators. You know, like, if I'm watching some sort of post-game or after-show, like, I'm going for the commentators more so than I'm going for the actual people that just did the performance. You can't compare it to Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's a personality. For all we know, he's probably drunk during those halftime analysis. No, no, no. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to feel like I'm at Guantanamo Bay. I am not going to eat until the Lakers win a game. I'm going to start- drink water. I'm going to drink water. And what else? Vodka. You watch what you say about Chuck. <laughs> we all know there's vodka in that coffee mug for Sir Charles. It's Irish coffee. I would rather hear from the showrunner, from Scott Gimple, from Daryl Dixon, than I would from Marilyn Manson, who is high during the entire Talking Dead. <laughs> He's a wacky cat, man. Three for me is the character development at times. So it's not every single character arc. It's at times the character development just seems to throw you a curveball that no one could have saw coming in a bad way. Or they spend all this time building up a certain character and just to have them go down a road, that doesn't really make much sense. We had early on with The Walking Dead, there was some character buildup and most of it made sense. I mean, Seth, as you said before, with Shane and you kind of saw his character turn and the Rick and Shane dynamic, like that made sense and I could follow it. If you built up a character to be a certain thing, or if you painted them a certain way, and then all of a sudden they're acting totally different than that characterization, that's a problem. Give me an example. Now this is a real spoiler alert, so sorry, Tony. Please, lay it on. Carol, I mean, she's by any means necessary. She's... <laughs> She's Somebody. the female Jack Bauer. Do you know who I am? I think that I've actually found her next movie role. She's going to be in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot 2. 
Was there a one? Yes. With Estelle Getty and Sylvester Stallone. Come on, how do you not know this? Well, well, that's an obscure reference. <laughs> it totally is. Wait, do you guys have no clue what I'm talking about right now? There's going to be one other person that's listening to this podcast that's going to be like, oh my gosh, that's so true. There's going to be a whole bunch of people that have no clue what we're talking about, though. Seriously, Tugboat, you couldn't make a Rocky Four reference so I could do a training montage drop? Yes, for example, right, about character development. So Carol, we've seen Carol do all these different things and it's going down a certain path and she's been painted a certain way. And then I felt like the only reason that she had this about face was just so that they could show Morgan in a different light that never really dealt with how Carol was treating things in the first place. Like Carol's character wouldn't just get up and leave she would try to continue to help the group until she was no longer part of the group i 100 percent disagree with you actually i think carol's development from season one up until now has been spot on and probably one of the best character developments in the walking dead and possibly one of the best character developments in television Carol in season one was was meek and in the control of her husband who hit her. And then she was a mother to Sophia in season two. She lost Sophia. And then in season three, she started to get her bearings with what her new role was in the group. By the time we hit season four, we start to get this rugged Carol. And in different dialogues and monologues, you can see that Carol has just hardened to this world because she realizes that that's the only way to survive. And you can see that in the episode called The Grove, which is the one where Carol kills Lizzie, the little girl, where she, where she says, look at the flowers, George. So then by the point we get to this latest season, spoiler alert, the Jack Bauer-esque Carol Do you know who I am? has felt all of these killings that she's done and all of this emotionless survival tactics that she's done, they're clearly wearing on her, especially at the point where her and Maggie are captured by the saviors. And that whole episode focuses on that. So by the time she flees Alexandria, you kind of get a grasp of where her character's at. It didn't just come out of nowhere. She's been there the whole time. You asked me for an example. That was just off the top of my head. Even if you might disagree with the Carol example, do you think that their character development, like, can you see my point on that? Or you think I'm totally off and, like, that's just how I feel? I think their character development has been pretty solid. There are some annoying examples. I think Beth as a character, the way she developed was weird. And Beth might have been a better example for your argument. When I take a look at what they've done with Shane, which was awesome, and how they've developed Daryl's character, which is really cool, I think they've been really good with those characters. It's about 50-50, because I think of Rick and all the uh, different Ricks we've seen. Farmer Rick and... and the Rick that's going to bite a guy's throat out. Um, Rick is a little bit more all over the place, in which I can definitely agree with your point. I feel like back in the day, when you used to go into like a toy store and buy like one version of a Ninja Turtle and two versions of a Ninja Turtle and three versions, that's like Rick. There's like Cowboy Rick. There's like Crazy Rick. There's Policeman Rick. You know, like there's all these different Ricks. 
and somehow they're still all the same person. And no matter which Rick it is, he's always going to say, Coral! Coral! Get away from those zombies, Coral! Coral! Where's Coral? Coral! <laughs> I agree slash disagree on the Carol point. Like, I agree... I like her character development until she went crazy, which is what Ryan's talking about. She's nuts. <laughs> She's out of control. And it's one thing to be rugged. She is out of control. And I haven't seen this season. I can only imagine the shenanigans she got into this season. Carol, Carol's development, uh, shoddy, it, it's, it's incomplete work. Now, maybe she changes it around. Maybe she doesn't. But she, she was doing great. She was getting right, and then she just went crazy. She went off the deep end. There's no need for her to be off the deep end. She could still be an important character. Not tell kids, hey, kids, you need to have this pistol because you need to kill at a moment's notice, okay? That's the kind of world we live in. And they're like, we're seven. We just want to play with butterflies. There are no butterflies in the zombie world. You need to be ready to kill. You can never tell anyone because if you do, one morning you'll wake up and you won't be in your bed. Where will I be? Tied to a tree. The monsters will come, and they will tear you apart and eat you up all while you're still alive. Yes, yes, she has. Right, right? I disagree. I I disagree. An apocalyptic world, a realistic world, where if kids are playing with butterflies, they're going to be in body bags. Get them a body bag! Yeah! But there was was just so many times where she was like, oh, so did you see me steal those guns? You're not going to tell your parents, are you? I'll slice your throat out. Okay? <laughs> Bye. You can never tell anyone. Because if you do, one morning you'll wake up and you won't be in your bed. Where will I be? Tied to a tree. The monsters will come and they will tear you apart and eat you up all while you're still alive. <laughs> oh, what's that? you going to tell your parents? Oh, no, you're not because I'm going to kill all of you in your sleep. Okay? Oh, I'm watching this like... Who is this woman? Off the deep end. Unnecessary. She's got to go. If she's not going to change her behavior, she needs to go. Well, I'll, I'll be interested to see, Tony, once you watch season six. Like, I, I wonder if you're going to be like more incensed at it, or if you're going to be like, maybe I buy that. I'd be interested to see that. Rick's development has been all over the place. There has been a couple of developments where it's like, where, where, where were you going with that? Yes. What was the purpose of that? And, be, and especially when you're investing a lot of time into these people. Yeah, and you just hit the nail on the head. And I think, yeah, I guess if I could get my feelings down to a couple words, is that I sometimes feel that they just use certain characters, sometimes, as strictly a means to an end. They're just there to get you from A to B. And they don't really have a larger point in the whole story. And that's where The Walking Dead goes wrong. I don't consider that character development. I, I think for the most part, outside of the Beth stuff I mentioned, and, and obviously we all agree on Rick, I think these characters, there's a very apparent development. And The Walking Dead shows their work with how these characters do get from point A to point B. Tony, you might hate Crazy Carol, but you can't tell me The Walking Dead didn't show how she went from this meek little mother to Jack Bauer with a vagina. Do you know who I am? I'm not saying that this show didn't. Just how we saw Rick go from, I woke up in a coma and there's zombies around Rick, to, wait, these zombies are going to kill me, Rick? To, hey, I'll be the leader of the group, Rick. To, 
Let's take over the present, Rick. I just want to be a farmer, Rick. There's been tons of development. We saw the steps, and it doesn't make it right. You're talking a different thing than I am. It might not be a good decision. It might not be a good decision for Carol to be crazy. But these characters are supposed to be flawed. They're supposed to be real. They're supposed to be human. So these characters make mistakes. You know, like, spoiler alert, Tony. In this recent season, with the finale, Rick has this cockiness to him. And and he displays it in his actions, he displays it in his words. And by the end of the finale, you see that cockiness fade. And every time he gets a step closer to point B, he becomes less cocky and realizes he's more in over his head. And, no, it's not right, but they showed their work, and it's logical, and they portrayed it properly, so me as a viewer, I didn't say, how the hell did they get here? Now, was this past season about Rick being a farmer, that was the only time I've seen him really passionate in the past couple of years. <laughs> now, you said he went through the, he was cocky at point A, like, oh, I could be the best farmer ever, and then towards point B, well, maybe there's other good farmers around here. Is that what happened in season six? Tony, in a turn of events that you will never see coming, Rick actually becomes a doctor investigating CTE in former NFL players. Knew it. One day he's a farmer. Now he's a policeman. He was already a policeman. Like, what, what, What's he going to be next? Actually, I want to be the zombie lawyer. <laughs> the zombie lawyer. See, now that's a showing much. Zombies have rights, too. Zombie rights are not dead. <laughs> that's their slogan. The 16-episode double season, they have to have two finales. They have to have two premieres. They have to give you 16 episodes instead of a nice, neatly packed maybe 10 where they really could get to the heart of the issue, I think is a big problem. And if you look at some how some other TV shows are structured, Breaking Bad, The Americans, Game of Thrones, the less episodes, the better. And I think The Walking Dead could take something from that. That that whole premise and that way of doing TV, I think it hurts the show. I, I kind of have something similar with that, too. Here's our season finale. Just kidding! Next week, the season finale part two. That, that's that got to go. Yes. That wasn't the season finale. That was the <laughs> season finale Eve. The penultimate season finale. We have a two-hour special bullcrap. You have two episodes. Don't lie to me. I'm smart. <laughs> I can tell time. <laughs> Jam three episodes in two hours, and now you're fooling me, all right? <laughs> Less is more sometimes. Right. All right. Is there a big build up for number one? Because I just I've been waiting to I've been waiting to give out number one because I think number one's a, a, a good. I kind of try to save the best for last here. Are you ready? I, I'm excited. And number one is the premise of the show itself. Right at this point in the show, regardless of where they take it, it seems like it's dying a slow death, and and you have to have an ending in sight. An ending becomes necessary, and there's basically two outcomes. One is that they finally find a place of hope, like the movie I Am Legend, right, where there is hope at the end. The other part is that right, so either they find a place of hope or they all die. They all die, and quite honestly, at this point, I don't care which way it goes. I just want them to find an ending. Both Lost and Breaking Bad were given end series dates a couple of seasons ahead of time. But what that did is it made people be like, oh, 
there's an ending. I know that they have to get to a certain point by a certain time, and there's not going to be a way to wiggle out of it. Like, this is the end. So they're working towards something. And I think what happens with a lot of TV shows is that they go on way too long, don't know how to end them, and then they're just like, yeah, that was the last season. So I, I, I agree, because I was hoping somewhere of that, because I think the show would be a, a really great four-season show. But no, now they're on season, what, six? It's going to be seven. And there's no guarantee that that's going to be the end. It needs to end. Lost was fading in popularity. So ABC realized that rather than having the show die a slow death, if we give it an end date, people will tune in because they know something's coming. There will be resolution. Breaking Bad, they chose to say, here's where we're cutting it off because we don't want to die off a slow death. We are going to conclude this show. The great thing about Breaking Bad is they wrote the show in mind with a point A and a point B. I don't think Lost did that. And similarly to Lost, I know The Walking Dead hasn't done that. Actually, Lost did do that. The two writers of Lost basically said that once ABC gave them that end date three years out is when they started to pick up the pace with their writing because they knew they could, because they knew that they had to get from point A to point B. Did so, they have a point B? Did they have a point B from day one? Yes, they did. They knew exactly how the show was going to end. That's shocking because, it, it, to me, there were a few seasons of Lost, not to get too off topic, that felt like they didn't know where they wanted to go. Yeah. I've only watched a couple of episodes of Lost. I can vouch. I don't think the people making the show knew what the show was about. <laughs> a couple of those episodes. Maybe they all went to Woodstock the week beforehand and wrote it afterward. Like, oh, this seems great, man. Number five, too many useless characters. Why are they here? They could die. And there's too many of them. There's too many, especially now at this point in the show. And again, I haven't watched season six. I can only imagine the stupid characters they've added. And I have plenty of examples if you need a few. I'm sure you already have a couple. Well, I mean, I just want to hear you give them. Here's my number one example. Gabriel, the priest. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Yes, me too. If anyone watched The Wire... Yes, I did. The work that he did in The Wire, and then you see this punk priest who, in a zombie apocalypse, doesn't believe in guns because that's not what Jesus would do. Get out of here. Jesus would say, shoot the zombie. Rick and them see this guy. Look at this idiot. And he's gotten so many people killed, but he's an example of a useless character. And he was just one of those where you had to be quiet. And he was the guy that was always knocking over the glass bottle that would wake up the zombies, running to the wrong door. Rick and them would always have to take care of him. In the real world, in the real zombie apocalypse, they would have killed him. You knocked over the bottle. You almost got killed. You're going to have to die now. So you're saying they wanted to put him in a body bag. Get him a body bag. Yeah. You got to go in a body bag. It's never a good sign when anytime certain characters come on the screen, you're just like, please let there be a zombie behind them. That's, I agree. It's not a good look that when they're on screen, you're just like, I hope you die. <laughs> I just hope you die. That's not, you shouldn't wish that when you watch TV. Oh, the, the other useless guy, the Washington guy, the guy's like, I know the cure. You gotta keep me safe. <laughs> Turns out he doesn't know the cure. I have no marketable skills. So I lie about knowing the cure so people will take care of me. Lay off Eugene. He's funny as hell, and he has one hell of a mullet. 
I'll tell you the, my one of my favorite parts of The Walking Dead is when that army dude punched him in the face after he found out you've been lying to me this whole time. Jeez, tugboat! I thought you were low on The Walking Dead. <laughs> this is fun, which then means the whole season was a lie. <laughs> the whole trip, exactly. Anyone else you want to vent about? Well, there's a useless character that's going to rank pretty highly on my list. I'm going to save that. Other useless characters. Beth was useless. Yep. Yep. She was trying to launch her singing career, because I think the only scenes we saw of Beth were when she sang around a campfire. That took a half a season to realize, oh, wait a minute, she can sing. Wouldn't you think that'd be the first thing? Oh, hi, by the way, I'm Beth. Um, There's zombies around, and I can sing. That'd be the first thing they should have shown. Of all the money air I had, I spent it in good company. I mean, if you want to be the next Alanis Morissette, go to The Voice or American Idol. Don't be on my Walking Dead screen. It's like Again, there's zombies around. You would think you would want to keep the noise to a minimum. It should be at a library level at all times. Oh, excuse me. Could you please pass the message? I don't want to say it top of my lungs at the zombies. Of all the money air I had. No, don't sing. I don't care if it was a very pretty voice. It's like Coral, there's zombies around. Use your indoor voice. Carl? Where's Carl? Carl! You know what? It wouldn't be bad if Beth would have rocked out to maybe a Limp Biscuit song. It'd be one thing if there was a, a talent contest, and that was the scene. Oh, okay, Carl, that was a very good interpretive dance. Okay, Beth, what are you going to do? <laughs> okay, th- that would have made sense, but it was like, oh man, we're so scared. Beth's like, I got an idea. I'll sing a song. Of all the money air I had, I spent it in good company. I will, I, I will expand on this point because I'm, spoiler alert. <laughs> I might have something similar to this. Cool. And this brings me to my fourth point. The stupid people remain. The best people are gone. The best characters. All of them. From from season one on, they all end up dying. But let's just say, for example, the governor. One of the best characters of the show. One of the best, maybe, characters of the TV history. If you want to talk about character development. Well, guess what? It'd be good television to keep him around a little bit longer. Dale's gone, but... Beth lived for more seasons. But people who should have been killed, like Rick, in terms of it, he's been slacking for a while. He should have been killed. The show would have been perfectly fine if Rick died. But no, for some reason, he always seems to make it. I think that some of the best characters are gone. I mean, like I said before, that Shane's story arc was great, right? I mean, who who doesn't love the character Shane? And even the Shane and Rick battle. Also, Tony, yes, some of the characters that are still around, you can get rid of. Nobody would miss them. Nobody. Nobody. And, and and Rick, if he winds up the one, because Tony, we still don't know this, so uh, this is not a spoiler because we still don't know, but somebody's going to die at the beginning of season seven. And what? 
So they leave the season finale, <laughs> leaves you with a cliffhanger that someone's going to, that, that's some bull crap. Hell no, I'm not watching the next season. See, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> well, I, again, I have a list of people who could die. I do have some suggestions. I think that Tony's right in the fact that there were some intriguing characters that were lost. I love the Shane story arc, so I agree with you. The governor was great, and he, he's a great TV villain. I like some of the characters that are still around. I enjoy Daryl. I enjoy Carol. But there's a lot of dead weight to go back to Tony's first point. And uh, I think that Tony's five and four are pretty much interrelated yes all right so my number three we're on season six now right that may be five seasons too many and they're just dragging this stuff out like i said earlier if they made this a four season show it'd be perfect it's it, 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 it's turning into scooby-doo Like, at some point, you're like, wait a second, they're running to another mystery town? Row, row! <laughs> again, oh, wait, they're going to split up again. Oh, okay, they, they found the guy again. And next week, they're doing the same thing. Like, there's only so many times you can run to the supply store. And I guess that's where you meet the stupid characters, those useless characters, so they jazz it up a little bit. You're going to the grocery store, you need to be quiet, and that dumb Gabriel Priest, he's making a commotion with hitting bottles and stuff. And I got a quick... Quick little just addition to Tony's point. If they took it to the end of season two and they had Rick Kill Shane, and that's the whole show, that that's a great show. If they take it to season three, but instead take the battle from mid-season four where there's the big showdown between the governor and the prison, and you insert that at the end of season three and then the show ends where Rick's group happily lives on the prison, that's a great show. That's true, too. Very true. My number two issue is Carol and how she's gone crazy. And I, I know you like to defend Carol. There is a fine line between being rough, being independent, being strong, and being crazy. And this woman is crazy. You can never tell anyone. Because if you do, one morning you'll wake up and you won't be in your bed. Where will I be? Tied to a tree. The monsters will come and they will tear you apart and eat you up all while you're still alive. And for me, it's, it's gotten to the point where it's, uh, it's too over the top. She's threatening little children. She's telling kids, like, look, you can't be playing in the sun. But I just want to play jump rope. There are no jump ropes. You need that rope to hang somebody. <laughs> the- I want to set up Carol with Jack Bauer. Do you know who I am? That, that has domestic abuse written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Every fight that they would have, they need to buy a new house because they throw stuff at each other and light it on fire and blow stuff up. Tony, I disagree. Um, Carol is probably one of the best things of the show. I think that it's realistic, her craziness. When you think about everything she's gone through, track her character from season one up until now, losing her daughter, having an abusive husband, um being forced to actually kill people and realizing that this is a zombie apocalypse. There needs to be some type of definitive action to protect the people you love. I'll be curious to see what your thoughts are on Carol after this season because she actually gets into it. She gets into the philosophy of why she does what she does. I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I haven't seen the, the new season, so maybe, she, maybe there's some context that I'm missing. I understand that that's a lot of stress to have on an individual. 
But then to translate to that, to be, you can't play with butterflies because the zombies will see you and they'll rip your throats out and they'll eat, first they're going to eat your organs and then they're going to eat your little bitty toes just like this. That's not, that's not normal. You can never tell anyone because if you do, one morning you'll wake up and you won't be in your bed. Where will I be? Tied to a tree. The monsters will come and they will tear you apart and eat you up all while you're still Normally, when that happens in a movie, when somebody snaps and loses it, then they die right away. But with Carol, it's just like, oh, and then she gets crazier. And then she gets crazier. She's like Cruella DeVille attacking the children. And they told her, like, Carol, you, you can't tell kids that you're going to slice their throats open. Okay, I won't do that anymore. It's still the look like you're going to do it again, aren't you? Maybe. Run. My number one problem with the show goes to a useless character it's the the most useless character on this show this not only is this character useless but puts everybody else in danger do you know which character i'm talking about i do i do i'm talking about the baby (laughs) (laughs) that dang baby needs to die and as long as that baby's alive I hate watching the show. I'm going to ask, is the baby still alive at the end of the season? Tugboat, do you want to field that question? Uh, Sure, I'll take that question. Uh, From what we know, that baby is still being cared for. By Father Gabriel! (laughs) (laughs) And that's not a joke. (laughs) No. Really? (laughs) That has to be a joke. Okay, I am going to produce a buddy comedy, and it's going to star Father Gabriel and Judith. They cannot have that priest in charge of that baby with the security needs that baby needs. Oh my gosh, they should call it Punch and Judy. (laughs) But Judith is the number one reason I hate the show. How is that baby still alive? How is a baby even alive in the apocalypse? She's supposed to represent hope. I really want to answer your question, Tony. You see, when a man and a woman really love each other, and they truly care about each other... In the apocalypse, they have themselves a baby. Which, by the way, for nine months, some other that made another character useless. She's walking around with the, carrying a watermelon for nine months. Then the baby gets born, crying all the dang time, and you have to be silent. And how many times have they been, there's zombies around the house, you gotta go, shh, gotta be quiet, there's zombies around. Dad, how many, Carl, quiet! Carl, where's Carl? Carl! And next thing you, If this was in real life, they would have thrown the baby overboard. If it was me and that baby starts crying and there's zombies outside, I would have thrown the baby out the window like a grenade. <laughs> now, now, look, I also want to make this clear, too. I'm not anti-baby. Just I'm that not, baby. <laughs> just, just that baby. I'm very anti-Judith, that baby. And here's the best part. It may not be Rick's. <laughs> That's right. 
Shane, for all we know. I think it is Shane. It probably is Shane. That's my point. You don't even know who the daddy is. Daddy's long gone. Rick killed daddy. Because there's no judge, there's no Maury show. Where you can do the paternity test. So we don't know who the baby, who the father is of this baby. The baby's crying all the time. But, uh, hashtag spoiler alert, the zombies eat Maury Povich in season six. You have been eaten. (laughs) When it comes to Judas, Rick, you are not the father. Zombie Shane, when it comes to Judas, you are the father. So they're taking care of this baby. Can the baby walk? No. No. Baby clearly doesn't know when to shut up. Hasn't learned that one yet. Baby can't shoot a gun. Baby's got no purpose. Forget representing hope. You know what represents hope? Being alive represents hope. Yeah, you're pissed at Carol because she's trying to teach kids how to shoot guns. She probably tried with Judith, and and Judith lacks the opposable thumbs. Well, she doesn't need to be on the show. and The fact that she's still alive pisses me off. They only need ten seconds of an hour-long show to piss me off the entire episode. Season 7, Judith Goes to Daycare. You sound so dark right now. You're worse than Carol. Oh, but this is survival, man. You can't have... Unless the baby learned how to be quiet, which the baby hasn't. There's so many times where you have to be quiet, right? I got you, Carol. (laughs) So long story short, I don't like the baby. I could have... Thought about you saying a lot of different things, and that never entered my mind. (laughs) But I don't have Tony's anger toward it. I think that the problem of the baby is one that the show will not be able to solve. Because then, if they do what Tony asks, they look like monsters. That baby's going to be alive until the end of the show, and then it's going to be the baby and Carl. Carl? Where's Carl? Carl! Walking down the street. On season 25? Season 25. Judith has a boyfriend. And at this rate, there's only there's only two other humans. It's probably going to be Carl. <laughs> oh, my God. Can we get to my list? Because this is... Oh. Let's get to Seth's list. Okay, we've covered killing babies and incest. I think iTunes is going to rate us explicit again. Five. Number five is something that was mentioned by Tony. It is such a big cast, and and I kind of compare it to Lost, actually. But Lost did a better job of character management, where you actually got characters that did stuff on the show, and you got emotionally invested in characters. I mean, we have so many characters that we don't care about. Like, for instance, in this most recent season, Tara is absent the entire season, and I could care less. And I'm sure Tony's like, who's Tara? Yeah, who who is Tara? I don't. Uh, do I need to care who she is? She's a lesbian. Oh, okay. Was she in the group originally? Season three, she was uh, part of the governor's group. Okay, yeah, 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 I know who you're talking about. We don't care about Tara, 
And then, obviously, we go with Father Gabriel as another character. And, uh, you know, I could list off the useless characters, and for whatever reason, The Walking Dead doesn't want to lighten the load with this cast. Because... With a cast of, I think they have 12 members in the group, you can't get a focus on a lot of people. So it dilutes the amount of time you have for all the characters. I think I think that's a valid point. I mean, how many characters can you have? You can't give them all time. And a lot of times they pick the wrong characters to give the story to, which is also a problem. Is Father Gabriel really still alive? Yes. Damn, really? Wow. Okay, you know what? I will say this. To Father Gabriel's defense, he gets a little bit of grittiness to him. Well, that wouldn't be hard. He had the grittiness of a pillow. <laughs> cool. Number four. For the past three seasons, the showrunners haven't held true to their major premise of the show, which is nobody is safe. And to me, that's one of the big intrigues of the show. You know, a show like 24 made that same premise, and they followed through with it. With The Walking Dead, they were doing well. And and I actually listed this, that way we could kind of get an idea of how this went down. Season 1, obviously, they were developing things, so no one really dies outside of a few, you know, minor characters. Season 2, Sophia, Shane, Dale, all die. Season 3, Lori, T-Dog, Merle, Andrea, all die. Season 4, Herschel, the Governor, and Beth, all die. Season 5, Tyrese. And Season 6, an unknown character that will not be spelled for Tony, but if you've seen Season 6, said character gets an arrow through the eye. So that, that's, a, that's a lot of characters that died. And then you also forgot about the guy that was eaten, too. They haven't held true to the premise, and because of that, we get Problem 5, which is a big cast. An overabundance of characters that we don't need to see. They should have killed more people off. They should have held true to their premise. And that's why number 4 leads to problem number 5. Too many characters. Agree. Number three, The Walking Dead cannot successfully land a season finale. And let me clarify, when I talk season finale, I mean the final episode of the 16 episodes. I don't want to talk about stupid mid-season finales and with a two-month break. I'm talking the final episode of a season. For a good show, the season finale is supposed to be the hook. Tony, I've essentially said I'm done with the show. Like... Now that I've seen season six, like, I don't even care. I'm done. See, that's the point I'm at with this show right now. I'm just on season five. See, that's, that's, that's all I need to know. Number two is season and episode pacing, which, which obviously relates back to some of the problems that were previously mentioned. And the one that always sticks out to me is season three. Season three is a season about a conflict between Woodbury and the prison. And actually, the pacing of season three is really good, and it's really doing well. They probably added a little bit of fluff, but overall, the story is moving along. And you get to the end of season three, and you're waiting for this conflict, and it doesn't happen. Because The Walking Dead show writers decided, we're going to hold out and have the conclusion happen at the season four mid-season finale. Yeah, you touched on uh, basically what I touched on before, is the, the pacing and the spacing of the episodes. And there's too many episodes, and they don't know how to space them out correctly. Nah, I, I need a bit of a refresher. Is this the time where Rick was a farmer? <laughs> Didn't he find a gun in the garden, too? That was weird. And even Carl was like, Dad, I think there's people that want to kill us. I think, Carl! 
Carl? Where's Carl? Carl! We have lettuce. We don't have to worry about that. Oh, wait, they're shooting at us. That kind of pacing, because it, it, it was a little all over the place. Run. Number one, The Walking Dead has its moments. There are moments where I leave The Walking Dead, and I'm feeling great about the show. The Walking Dead isn't a bad show. It is a flawed show. Why is it a flawed show? Because it lacks consistency. And I'm going to give you a specific example. There's an episode called The Grove. It's when Carol, Tyrese, and then the two little girls, Lizzie and Mika, go to a cabin. Lizzie proves herself to be crazy and killed her sister, Mika, which causes Carol to have to make a tough decision to kill Lizzie because she is dangerous to the group. It is a great episode. It is a heavy episode and probably one of the series' best episodes. In that same half season, there's an episode called Still. And in Still, the episode focuses around Beth and Daryl. Beth has a very important mission. She wants to find alcohol. And they kill zombies, they go through deserted cabins to try to find a drink for Beth. So my question is, so you're telling me The Walking Dead has the same plot line as my freshman year of college? Tony, have you seen some of those people that hang around in the town of Scranton? So consistency, right? That's that's the number one. You have this half season, and in that same half season, you possibly have one of the show's best episodes, and right next to it, or right near it, is one of the show's worst episodes. What made the show originally great, it, it, it hasn't continued, I feel, since season three. There was moments in season three, but now in season four and five, and, and probably through six, too, there's probably an episode or two, maybe, there's 16 episodes, maybe four of them are interesting. No, that's not even a good batting average for baseball. No. Like, and for TV show, it should be more like 60 or 70 percent. Yeah. Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, let's go! Here we go. Normally what we do is is we, we have Matty G come in and, and we tally these and, and, and we, we do a definitive top five. But this is a little bit of a different topic because I think what we've done is we've reached a point where we've troubleshot a show and we've come up with pretty much all of the same things. So what I'd like to do is instead of doing the tally, I'd like to pretty much just give everyone closing statements to this point of the top five problems of the walking dead closing statement thank you to the court for hearing my walking dead arguments i'm so gonna insert judge watner music now (laughs) i think if i have to sum it up i'm gonna make it very short and sweet which is if i have to come up or think about how to solve x y and z about a tv show and all the problems it has, then that just tells me that that TV show is not for me. And it's gotten to the point where these issues and these problems are, there's no way that they can come back for them. Unless something drastic happens, I probably will not be watching. That's like, if I really do want to watch season six, it's, I, I feel like I've already invested so much into the show, I, I, I should kind of continue it, but they're, they're making it tough for me. And I, I agree with Ryan. If we've list all of these reasons, then it, there's there's something wrong with the show. There's something rotten in the state of Denmark. I pretty much agree with both of you guys. I think The Walking Dead has become too big for its own good. The amount of success it's had and the amount of growth it has had has caused the show to become overfluffed, too fat, and 
to not have focus. All The Walking Dead has to do is cut out the stuff we don't want to see. That's a lot of stuff to fix. I don't know if they'll get it right. I hope the creators of The Walking Dead listen to this podcast. I mean, they might get some uh, inspiration or ideas. This was cathartic, and I thank you for having me. Truly a fun experience. Thank you for listening to the High Five Countdown Podcast. If you like us, please tune us in at iTunes. Subscribe to us. And if you like what you hear, we love five-star ratings. We love four-star ratings. Anything lower than four stars, and Tony is going to trash talk you worse than he did Judith. That's right, and I won't show any mercy. So give us good ratings, download the podcast, don't just stream it, download it, make sure it's downloaded. Go on to iTunes, search High Five Countdown Podcast, and we're going to pop right up. Check out our previous episodes, our most recent one being Top 5 Cinderella Stories. And I think it's time to end this podcast. My name is DJ Setho, and I am going to go eat a big tub of pudding with my buddy Coral. Carl, where's Carl? Carl! All right, so I, I'm Tony. I just want to make it clear. I'm not anti-baby. I can't wait to listen to the next episode of the High Five Podcast after this because it will be a Judith-free podcast. Thanks for listening. Love your babies. Eat your pudding. Good night, everybody. Carl! Carl!